Hello, and welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm also the founder of NC Real Estate, which is my firm of surveyors. It is the place where I help landlords and property investors build mixed-use and commercial property portfolios that completely align with their goals. This week, I have a really important subject that I think we need to have a conversation about because I've noticed it a lot in my clients where they feel shame around these things. As a property investor, they feel like they're not doing as well. And so we're going to have that conversation. This is things property investors should actually be talking to each other about, right? Usually when you talk to other property investors, it's all about one-upmanship or how much you've been doing or the things that have worked out really, really well, because that's the sort of thing you want to celebrate. You want other people to think that you look great and that you are the best property investor and that you have loads of experience, loads of knowledge and everything's going right for you. Mm -hmm. But underneath the surface, if we get underneath the surface, there are more important things that we should be talking about. Yes, fantastic. It's great to compare deals with deals with deals. And it's nice to see when things go right. But more often than not in property, property investment is frustrating. Do you get me? It's frustrating. It can be slow. Things can take a while. They may not pan out the way that you want them to. And so there's a lot of resilience. There's a lot of banging your head against a brick brick wall needed. There's a lot of kind of backtracking your steps and thinking, uh, what do I do next? Because I have got no idea. And imagine if we were sharing these thoughts more how we could help each other out. I mean, my job as a surveyor is always, whenever a client comes to me and says that they're stuck, is to help them move in the right direction and help them figure out what the next best step is, right? But still, sometimes clients don't feel like they can come and talk to me about it because they're embarrassed or, again, they feel that shame that these things shouldn't be happening to them. So today... I want to talk about these things and bring them out into the open. All right. So number one, biggest thing that we should not be feeling shame about and we should be talking about is that everyone runs out of money and feels despair. Right. Have you ever been in that situation where you're buying that next deal or you've got another project coming or God forbid something terrible happens to a property and, oh, you haven't got the money to do anything about it, but you need you know that you should be. And the money may be on the horizon or maybe you don't know where you're getting the money from, but you know you have to get that money because you have to do the thing. Do you know what I mean? That, pit, that mindset where you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know where my next pounds are coming from. Mm-hmm. Guess what? We all get there. So last year, 2020, do you remember that I was telling you that I had to completely redo my bathroom in my service accommodation last minute because the guest had pretty much disconnected the boiler, the 
shower from the wall and oh my gosh the whole bathroom was just a mess didn't have any water working basically my guests had completely ruined my bathroom and it wasn't claimable on my insurance and I just bought a flat with all of the money that I had in the world right I just put everything into it I had a business that was still growing that needed additional capital coming in from me at the time thank god I don't have that anymore but I was at probably one of the tightest pinch points I'd been at in a couple of years. And I had to borrow that money from a credit card. There was nothing else I can do. And thank goodness I've got a good credit rating. But for weeks, I was debating whether that was a good idea or not, whether I'd failed because I didn't have enough savings in my bank account. Um, I knew that the money would come back to me eventually because at that time, we didn't know much about COVID. And so I, I had enough bookings for my Airbnb that year that it was going to cover it. But immediately, I didn't have the money. So I had to apply for an interest-free credit card, which I don't particularly like doing because credit cards aren't my thing to have. That's not where I like getting my money from. And I had to really negotiate on how cheap I wanted this bathroom done whilst looking really good. Okay, And that was a, a lot of hoping. I had to start the bathroom works as soon as those guests left. I had no choice. I didn't have a working bathroom. I had guests coming in a week's time. I had to cancel some of them because I didn't have a working bathroom. And then that spiraled into figuring out that there was other things wrong with that property that required more money. So eventually I had £7,000 on my credit card. I really, It really didn't sit very well with me at all. And then, of course, COVID hit. So I lost all of my bookings. Ugh. So I had to figure out another way of paying off that credit card before the interest-free period ran out. I had 12 months to do it in. So I divided £7,000 between 12 months and I was just paying for it out of my salaries. Mm-hmm. Because I like to have savings and I had just not budgeted at the time that I was buying another flat. I was going to have that to happen too. And I really stretched my limits with everything. It was a pinch point and it really worried me. I felt like I'd failed because I didn't have enough money in the bank at the time to do it. This has happened to me other times as well. When I set up my business and I didn't realize that business wouldn't be profitable for the first two years. It wasn't profitable for the first two years. I was putting so much money into it. I felt at an absolute loss because I was a property investor, but all that money that was coming in from my properties was paying for this business to get off the ground, right? So I had to wait and wait and wait for things. Sometimes I would do stuff and come pay bills and I I like to pay bills within 24 hours of the invoice becoming due if the work's been done. That's kind of a principle of mine because it means that you've got good contractors. But my gosh, I didn't know where my money was coming from. And thank God I've turned that around. But I used to be so, so upset about my money situation. And I remember someone emailing me once and saying that the year one of NC Real Estate's accounts were awful. And so they didn't trust me as a business. I was devastated because I took that so personally as I didn't think that I had the money in the bank. And I was very kind of like ashamed by not having that amount of money coming in. Right. So we've all been there. And the only way 
that it gets easier is by talking about it and actually explaining that you're in a difficult situation because the monies don't quite meet up. And usually, if you speak to other investors about that, in fact, all investors, all investors I've ever spoken to have been in that situation, right? And they'll have a tip for getting out of it or how you can speak to the people that you owe money to and try and delay things. Or if you have people on your team, talk to them because they are going to want to help you. Nobody wants to see you go under, right? And it kind of is part and parcel of being an investor that sometimes we get to those money pinch points and it's frustrating and we don't always know where the next money is coming from and it's our job to figure it out. And we can only figure it out by having those conversations. So please start talking to each other about it. Number two, it's terrifying pulling the trigger and buying a property. It is terrifying. I don't care how many times you've done it. There's always that voice at the back of your mind that says, what happens if this goes wrong this time? Or you don't have enough experience to do this property. Or what happens if you've got your deal analysis wrong? Always. And that's when it's a good idea to go and speak to somebody else who's going to say, actually, do you know, this works out fine. You know, this could this would be absolutely fine. Or ask for a second opinion or explain your reasoning again. Write it down. Explain why this is a positive property and why you're moving forward. Because otherwise, if you don't get over that hump, you're never going to be putting in an offer and you're never going to get to where you need to be. So remember that the next time you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, it's scary for all of us, me included. I still get the, the kind of, oh, am I doing the right thing? And then I think about it and I speak to my peers and I speak to my colleagues and all of a sudden I'm back feeling good about it. Number three, not every investor will invest in the same property. Don't be put off if someone says they wouldn't invest in something, it's fine. We can feel embarrassed if we say we're going to invest in something and somebody else says, no, that's not for me. I wouldn't bother doing that. It doesn't fit on my strategy. Who cares what they think? It means that you've shared your opinion. You need to, again, go through your pros and cons list. If your pros list outweighs your cons list, then I still think it's a good idea. But not every property investor is going to invest in the same thing. And that's completely fine. That means that they're not going to go after your property. You're not going to go after their property. It takes one more person out of the competition of the market that you're in. Okay. But I don't want you to feel deflated if someone says that they wouldn't buy it because that's perfectly fine. They don't have to buy it. They really don't have to buy it. And it doesn't mean that you've made a wrong decision or you're making a wrong decision. It just means that their personal preference is, it's not for me. I wouldn't buy everything that my clients buy. Why? Because it just doesn't fit in my portfolio strategy. And it's completely fine. I don't need to buy it but it works for my clients, I would encourage them to buy it, right? Same as, I don't think a lot of you would buy the properties that I've got in Bath. They don't make enough of a net yield. You know, they're around three or 4% sometimes, maybe a little bit higher, but they definitely don't hit 5% net yield at the moment. For some people, that would be really not what they're after. But for me, it works just fine because I'm getting that income that I need, okay? So, not everybody has to like the property that you're buying. You just have to have confidence that you're making the right decision for you. 
does it fit in with your strategy? Really, 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 really important. Next, finding good contractors is a messy business. It's always a messy business when you're employing other people to come in and do work for you. You have to have the people around you that you trust, and sometimes they might not be available. So assume the worst, although go in with the best intentions. Don't just go and you know take it out on a contractor. But assume that there's going to be delays. Assume there's going to be things that this contractor hasn't figured out. Assume that they're not going to turn up when they say they're going to turn up. Okay, so now we know that. What can you put in place or what practices can you put in place to make it a more smooth journey? You know, how can you how can you be there? How can you get someone to oversee something? You know, if someone needs to turn up at a certain time, how do you get them to do that? I have had terrible experiences with some contractors, absolutely terrible, and I will never use them again. Have I told, I can't remember if I told you the story. This story is a painful story. Um, From when I was doing that bathroom, actually, that's the last time I had dodgy contractor as well. They were fitting the lino in the bathroom at Broad Street. And that was the final thing that had to happen. And I'd only flown into the UK for two weeks. This was just before lockdown. And the reason actually I was in the UK was because my grandma was dying. That was why I came home. I wasn't really there to do anything else. I think I I did a members club meetup, but I didn't do any other business for those two weeks because I wanted to spend time with dad and wanted to spend time with grandma um, and just see her. But also I needed to do that damn bathroom that I had to do. And so really early on, I'd ordered the tiles before I'd even left the UK or the lino I knew what I'd left the US sorry I knew what lino I was having I was using a company in Bath they got it ordered for me and as I say last thing I needed to do before I flew out of the country and I had accidentally booked it on the last day that I was in the UK and it was the last time I was going to see my grandma And so I'd asked them to come at 9am. I was going to let them in at 9am. They were going to lay it. I was going to go and see grandma. And then I was going to come back and sign it all off. Jobs are good in. Take pictures of my flat before flying out of the country again. That was the plan. This contractor didn't turn up at 9am. 10am didn't turn up. 11am didn't turn up. So I'm on the phone. Where are you? Where are you? We've had this booked in for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, don't worry we're on our way we're on our way anyway got to midday three hours late I phoned them up and I just lost it I was like why don't you do what you say you're going to do you've lied to me I have other places that I need to be where is the contractor they said oh he's going to be here in an hour and a half this doesn't work anymore doesn't work anymore because I can't be here and at this point I had to go and see my grandma so I said how do we how do we resolve this because I can't be here and wait for you oh well you need to be I said no not at this point um I can't I have something really important that I need to go and do not wanting to explain myself but I said I've waited around long enough for you I'm going out for a couple of hours and I'll be back um at whatever time in the afternoon 
And I left it at that. And then they keep leaving me answer phone messages and I just wouldn't pick up. I'd gone to see grandma. It's the last time I saw grandma before she passed. And it was lovely. We had a good conversation and, you know, I I don't regret, you know, anything about that last visit. It was lovely. Um, So after I visited grandma, she was really not very well. So it wasn't as if I could go and see her for hours and hours and hours she was really tired and was in and out of sleep and you know she yeah she's old and really not very well so then after that I went back down to the flat and I noticed I'd got a lot of missed calls and the contractor had uh, been trying to get in contact with me so I phoned them back And when the guy picked up the phone, he started laying into me that I was so unprofessional. I was rude. Why couldn't I give them some grace period? Um, He'd looked at my website and obviously I wasn't who I was on my website. I was a terrible person. I just burst into tears. I didn't even know how to deal with that anymore. I was sad because I'd had to say goodbye to my grandma, even though, you know, I didn't say goodbye, goodbye, because she didn't know what was happening but I knew that that'd been the last time and this contractor had just messed me around. And then he was like, well, now's not a good time to start crying, be professional about this. And I just said to him, I've just said goodbye to my grandma and I was late doing it because I was waiting for your contractor to turn up. And the line just went dead. He didn't know what to say to me after that. Um, And... I think that was the worst experience I've had with a contractor. Eventually he came out and did it, but the day after I left the country and he didn't ever charge me for it because he felt bad for screaming at me down the phone. Um, I won't say that contractor and who they are because he did give me the job for free, um, but I'd never use them again. I mean, you can't, in that situation, looking back on it, I shouldn't have actually booked anything for that day if I knew I was going to see grandma. I just had assumed that they would come on time and that everything would be fine because it was the last job. So note to self, now that I'm talking to you about it, um, do not uh, try and book things in when you've got other places to be. But I think also be honest with your contractors. And it's tough keeping contractors together. So talk to other investors about project management and how you run your project management. That's really 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 important because we all need to share these kind of stories because it happens to us all it's not just you being a bad person it's you know it happens to us all and it's so frustrating when it does happen and you know I literally remember driving back to Cotswolds to see my mom and just crying my eyes out and not for any reason other than it was a really bad situation to be in it had been a bad day but my gosh my contractor got me where it hurt. <laughs> I laugh now, but it was horrendous at the time. Um, next, sometimes doing nothing is the best possible advice. Sometimes you just don't have to do anything. And that's okay. If you are taking a pause on investing, if everything is running smoothly and you've got money coming into your bank and your tenants are doing everything, You don't have to be going out of your way to be doing anything other and over and above. Far too often, you see other people constantly saying, oh my gosh, look at all of this stuff that I'm doing or 
today I'm doing this and tomorrow I'm doing this. You must hustle hard to keep moving your property portfolio forward. Now, you don't need to do that all the time. Sometimes it's really good just to be in a period of just letting things go and move along because the whole idea is that you're going to get there anyway. And sometimes you just want to stop, reflect, figure out what's going right, figure out what's going wrong and tweak and adjust where necessary. And sometimes it's just all going right and you don't need to do anything at all. Okay. So you don't always have to do anything. Sometimes doing nothing is perfectly acceptable. And when someone asks you, ah, how's your property portfolio going? Why don't you be brave and say, not really working on it at the moment. It's bringing in enough money. Everything's going smoothly. I'm perfectly happy. Oh my gosh. How inspiring is that? Next, don't put up with anyone else being cheap. This means it's not wanting to pay a good team member for the work that they do. I see a lot of boasting about how cheaply you've got things. I don't think that always means they're the best. You know, haggling for a cheaper service isn't always the best idea. Sometimes just pay people if you know that they're good, right? I don't think it shows that you are um, a master property investor if you've got things super cheap. Oh my God, I did a whole house renovation for a thousand pounds. Really? Did you do it properly? Did you get the right people involved? Would they come back out? Or if you just absolutely rip them off so they never want to come and do anything for you again? Hmm? We need to get over the boasting and just be honest about how much we paid for something. Does not matter does not make you a better property investor if you paid less than another property investor, right? Every single property is different. Every single project is different. So let's just get used to telling people how it is, okay? Share prices, share contractors, share your team. But if you get a different price, you get a different price. Of course, if it's way over the odds, you can say something. Ask for a discount. But if the other person says no, Either choose to go elsewhere or pay them what they have asked for. All right. And finally, it's okay if a deal isn't profitable. Just be honest about it. What did you learn? Not every deal has to be mega profitable. And I wrote this one down because I don't think I've mentioned that um, New York Avenue in Jersey finished finished we've been paid out now we did not earn as much as we thought we were going to absolutely my mistake for not being in New York anymore right I'm going to hold my hands up and say that once we moved down to Charleston I took a complete backseat on it and now looking at those final invoices just over overspent on things um the final profit on that deal bearing in mind it was a sellout uh 1.4 1.4 million, 80,000 pounds. Ugh. Terrible deal, actually. We made 10% in two years. Terrible deal. Not going to do that again. Not going to joint venture, just do things myself. That's kind of what I've learned from this. I'm very good when I'm under pressure, very good when I'm doing things myself. Um, 
if I take my foot off the brakes and ignore something, that kind of stuff happens. I mean, we're lucky we got profit out of it. And obviously COVID went a long way towards it. Then prices skyrocketed at some point at some point we had to come out of our finance, which meant um, then we had to start rushing so paying more contractors to come on board. Um, I just thought that they had it more under control than they did. So I'm lucky we've got money out. We got our original investment out plus about 10% on the original investment. Nothing. Peanuts. But I've learned from it. Okay, so now I feel confident enough to buy and sell property in the US. Perfect. I learned that. I learned about terminology for construction over here. I learned the process for developments. I learned that I don't really care about doing developments. Um, still not my thing, even though I keep trying to get into it. It's not me. I'm not a developer. I like buying and holding or being tactical with lease strategies. I don't really like the rest of it. But it's okay. If the deal wasn't as profitable, it's not, um, I haven't sat here and dwelled on it, actually. Um, I just didn't mention it because we keep moving forward. You know, I've got these commercial deals that need to go on. I'm going to start finance raising again for the commercial portfolio in the UK. So I kind of didn't even really think about it. I was a bit frustrated for an evening and was kind of like okay well that was a lot of money to sink into a deal that didn't nothing really came from but we didn't lose um and it means that when we go and buy our next property in austin we have less money so i'm gonna have to find money from elsewhere that's also not the end of the world because i know that i can find that money so nothing really lost but nothing really gained apart from a lot of learning um And so I think we should talk about that more. What happens when deals aren't profitable? Nothing. We just change things around. We know what we've learned and we can move forward from there. That is what is really important. Um, No hard feelings, no shame. It's not embarrassing. These things happen. I mean, if you invest money into stocks and shares, I've invested money into stocks and shares before. Not really made anything. In fact, I've probably lost stuff. I don't know. I don't check in with it anymore. Um, different to my stocks and shares, ISA. This is whatever I was investing in, Hargreaves, Lansdowne. Um, one night I'd had too many glasses of wine and put £150 into Hargreaves, Lansdowne because I wanted to put something in there and then chose some of my favorite companies to um, invest in like one share or something ridiculous like that. Anyway, didn't pan out because I didn't even think about it. There we go not really embarrassing is it it's just happened I did it there's probably I need to probably go and have a look at it but I don't feel shame because I lost money on it I just it's what it is property investment comes with risk and we need to be talking about that you know what happens when you lose money versus what happens when you make money and we're always going to be losing and making money that is the nature of the beast so let's talk about that a little bit more I think that is really really important and own it have confidence in it so what if something didn't go right so what if something else does go right it's not a judge of your character or a judge of who you are it's just being a property investor those are the risks that we take on there we have it those are the things investors should actually be talking to each other about rather than just being themselves up i think these honest conversations are vital to success in property
right? Really, really vital. So I encourage you to be going out there and having these conversations too, please. And if you want to reach out to me and tell me what you want more conversations on, you can do that by either emailing me, natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk, or you can come to Instagram and find me at Honest Property Investment. That's the podcast um, Instagram account. So come and do that. If you've liked this podcast, please make sure that you rate and review it because that really helps me to get found by other people as well who would also benefit from this information. And if you want to find out any more about what I do, head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk, which is the website for my firm of surveyors. And there are some freebies over there that you can get hold of, such as my master spreadsheet, the Getting Started Guide to Commercial Property, among loads of other resources. So make sure you come and visit. All right. Hopefully that was useful. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.